0: The scripture for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter eight, verses 26 through 39. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom He predestined, He also called, and those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn, In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks. Be to God. No one likes to think of themselves as weak. If anything, we like to boast about how strong we are, how capable we are, how in control we are of things. Well, certainly, this situation and this time of trial that we've been through and that we're still in has shown us that it doesn't matter who you are how much money you have or what race you are or what language you speak or where you live. The reality is that we all have times of weakness, time in which we feel that we are out of control or things are out of control, times in which we need divine intervention. We need God to be with us because we don't know if we can make it on our own. It is in those times in which we, we, we need God to be the closest to us, And we are reminded that in those times of our weakness, it is that God is strongest and closest to us. Our scripture today tells us that the Spirit helps us in those moments of weakness. Yes, the Spirit attends to you and me. It comes to be with us and to remind us that we don't have to be strong through our own strength, but that we can be strong with the strength of God, that we can allow Him to be in us and with us and for us. We need the help because the scripture tells us that we don't even know how to pray as we ought. And the reality is that this this scripture kind of struck me because in my understanding, everybody can pray and, you know, anybody can talk to God. Growing up, I always learned that talking to God is, is, is simple. You know, you tell God what's in your heart and you talk to him. But what the scripture says is not that we can't pray, but that we can't pray as we ought to. We we can't pray like we should. And I think that this points out that the reality is that a lot of times we come to God with our list of requests and cares and concerns, and we don't pause to think about how we should talk to God and how we should frame our prayers to God. The Spirit is with us to help us to pray as we ought to pray because it helps to inject the things in our prayers that are missing. A lot of times the Spirit will interject thanksgiving for what God has already done in our lives. We say things like, God, I need this blessing. And the Spirit interprets these words to God. God, he needs to rely more on you. Be his supplier and sustainer. We say things like, my friend is sick and needs healing. And the Spirit interprets these words, God have mercy on his sick friend and be present with them in their illness to restore them. But more than that, save their lives for eternity through Jesus Christ. To me, the Spirit is like a good assistant, one who corrects all your grammatical mistakes, all the commas you missed, all the punctuation that you didn't have, all the verb tenses that are wrong, you know, Pastor Jose and I write articles all the time and things for the church. And if it wasn't for Eleanor correcting all of our grammatical mistakes, you would be horrified because the reality is that we need somebody to intercede for us before you get the final product. And the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit is there to to interpret our prayers and to help our prayers to be adequate for God. The Spirit adds sighs too deep for words because it adds to our prayers more than what we say in words, more than what is at the surface. The Spirit shares with God what sometimes lies behind the prayer, what behind the words. When we are sharing with God through prayer, our words usually don't carry the full effect of everything that we are feeling and experiencing. And so I believe that the Spirit actually adds to our prayer the depth of, of the need that we have of God, and it helps God to understand what we're going through. I believe it adds praise and thanksgiving when we don't put it there when we should. It reminds God that He has been good to us, that He has been merciful to, uh, to us, and that we need to continue to have that mercy and that grace in our lives. When we ask for help, the Spirit thanks God for life itself. It reminds God that He gave life in the first place and that He is the sustainer of life. When we ask for blessing, the Spirit thanks God for all His provision in the past, in the present, and in the future. It acknowledges that God is the source of all good things for us. When we ask for problems to be resolved, the Spirit prays asking God to grow us in our faith through the difficulties that we are facing, to not only provide for us a solution, but to help us to grow in the process of arriving at that solution. You see, it is by design that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. God knew that you and I were gonna need help He knew that we would have weakness in our prayers, that there would be times that we would not be able to even get the words out to express our need and to express what we were feeling in our suffering, to be able to express our joys even, that it is in those moments when we are praying that we would need the Holy Spirit to step in and intercede on our behalf and help us pray as we ought. This reminds me of when we learn how to talk. You know, when kids are learning how to talk, what do they do? They they learn from their parents. They listen to them. They listen to the people around them. And they begin to repeat. And, you know, they go through that parent phase where they just repeat everything you say. And it is them learning how to talk. And we begin to learn how to talk at an early age. And, and, and if we're listening to somebody speak correctly, then we will learn to speak correctly. But if not, we will learn to speak incorrectly. And, you know, if you're not using your verb tenses correctly, then your child will learn how to not speak using correct verb tenses. Because we learn by example. Because we're not born knowing these things and we learn them as we go. It is the same way in prayer. We're not born knowing how to pray. We have to learn how to pray as we should. That is why Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. He wanted them to have an example, something to follow, something to learn from about how to pray to God. And he taught them in that prayer that we have to be thankful, that we have to be humble before God, that we have to acknowledge who God is and let him know what we need every day that we have to trust that his kingdom is coming. There are so many great things in the Lord's Prayer. If you have not studied it, I commend it to you. Study the Lord's Prayer to learn how you pray as you ought to. But we have to learn. We have to fashion our words after what we hear from others. And there are times that even as adults, we will slip up and say the wrong thing or use the wrong tense or miss finding just the right word for what we're trying to convey. It is at those times in our prayers that the Spirit intercedes to be like a tutor helping us along the way. But it does more than just intercede and teach. It goes for us. It stands in the gap between us and God to interpret our prayers to God. In this role, The Spirit of God expresses our deepest fears. It shares our untold desires. It continues to put before God our concerns and our cares. It shares our joys and our sorrows. And it continues to express to God our deep need of him. I'm glad the Holy Spirit is there in my weakness, though we don't think Of ourselves as weak. It is good to know that when we are weak, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and is strong. And we need that intercession every day. Well, having established that we all need help in our weakness, Paul moves on to give us hope. He says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This verse is often quoted with just the first part of the verse, leaving out the the last part, which I think is very important. It is for those who are called according to his purposes. What this means is that things work out for good when we are called according to God's purposes, when we are following the will of God, when we are seeking God to direct us in our lives. The word all is always problematic when we find it in scripture because when we hear the word all, we wanna say all but. We wanna limit the word all. We don't want all to mean really all because if we admit that it includes all, then it means that even the difficulties of life will work for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. It means that even our difficult times will produce something good in our spiritual life, that even through sickness or through need or through troubles, God will be glorified. And it's hard for us to accept that all really means all. When Jesus died on the cross for all, Some wanted to exclude others and say, you know, he died for the righteous, he died for the religious, he died for the faithful, but Jesus died for all, to give an opportunity to everyone to be saved. In every situation, we must seek to find what God is trying to teach us, to tell us, to show us, to help us understand so that we can grow in our faith and in our likeness of Christ. Now, this does not mean that we as Christians will not have difficulties in life, but rather that even in those difficulties, we can still grow in our faith and our walk in the Spirit, that through those difficulties, we might actually become stronger or maybe even weaker, allowing ourselves to trust more in the Holy Spirit and relying more on it to be our strength. Again, we want to be strong, But then when we hear that he is strong when we are weak, shouldn't we seek to allow ourselves to be in the hands of the Holy Spirit, to interpret our prayers and be our strength? Because when we are diminished, often Christ is risen and raised. He is put forth whenever we put ourselves out of the picture and put him at the center. It is at this point that Paul uses some big theological language to describe us, he says, Those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And those are indeed some heavy words, aren't they? They're big theological terms that a lot of times we don't completely understand. So let's see what they really mean. What is is Paul trying to tell us here? He's telling us that God foreknew which of us would accept Jesus and want to become more like Him. For us, God's desire is that we will be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants all of us to pattern ourselves after Jesus and not after the patterns of this world. We're reminded of Romans twelve, two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God knew which of us would say yes to Jesus and would want to be patterned after Jesus Christ. It is clear that God does not want us to settle for being like everyone else. Instead, he has made Jesus our big brother. He calls him the firstborn of creation so that we can look up to him and seek to be more like him. God also intended for this to be a large family. And in a large family, you have all kinds of people. In this family, I call us the Brady Bunch, of spirituality because we include people from all nations and races and languages from all over the world who have been called by God to be part of the family of Christ. Jesus Christ has justified us before God and made us part of this family. We have been adopted in by God through his love in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our big brother that looks out for us But like the Spirit, He does more than that. He justifies us and then He intercedes for us before the Father, taking on Himself the penalty for our sin and making us acceptable to God. What this means is that we have two interceding for us. We have the Spirit and we have the Son, both interceding before God the Father on our behalf. We really are blessed in this manner. As those who are justified, we can enjoy the glory of God and be part of the family of God, not through our own righteousness, which would never be enough, but through our big brother Jesus, whose righteousness covers all of our sins. He's the big brother that takes the blame for all the wrong we've done and takes the punishment on the cross for our sin so that we can live in the glory prepared for us. It is great to know that we are part of such a big family of God, one that does not care about the different categories in which the world would like to put people. Again, we are the Brady Bunch of the spiritual world, each called, each foreknown by God, each predestined to become more like Jesus, each a younger brother to a wiser, stronger, yet more humble big brother called Jesus. Well, after establishing that we are weak and affirming our place in the family of God, as God's plans for our life, that this is what God intended all along, Paul comes to the firm conclusion that if God is for us, who can stand against us? What does he base this on? How does he get there? Because what he's saying is basically, if God is on our side, no one on the other side has enough strength, enough force, enough power to defeat us. He's saying if God is with you, it doesn't matter what comes against you, you're still gonna overcome. If God did this through his son, Jesus Christ, giving him to us fully on the cross, how much more will he give to us? If he gave what was most precious to us by sending his son into the world, is there anything that God will withhold from us who love him and are called? He already established back in chapter 8 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And now he basically reminds the Christians in Rome and us, that no one can accuse us when Jesus has forgiven us. No one can come against us when Jesus has already washed away our sin. Here, Paul also reminds us that Jesus, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, continues to intercede for us even to this day, that he has not stopped alongside the Spirit interceding on our behalf before God the Father. And with that kind of defense team, who can accuse us? His conclusion is, no one can. No one can accuse the righteous in Christ. In the closing section of today's scripture, Paul comes to yet another vital conclusion. If God has given us so much for us that the Spirit and the Son intercede for us constantly, then is there anything that can truly separate us from the love of Christ? Can hardships? Can distress? Can persecution? Can famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Can any pandemic or any economic difficulty? Can any quarantine? Can any isolation? Is there really anything that can separate us from the love of Christ? The resounding answer is no. In all of these things, we are told that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than victorious through him who already overcame the world. As if this wasn't enough, Paul goes even further. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to hear praise God there. I want to hear an amen and hallelujah because that is great news that there is not a thing in this world, in the world to come, in the past, in the present, or in the future, in our circumstance, or in our lives that can ever separate us from the love of God. It is indeed a cause for praise and thanksgiving that nothing can ever separate us from that incredible love. Why can we affirm this? Because we believe what Paul has mentioned earlier, that the Spirit and the Son continue to intercede on our behalf constantly before the Father, that it is God's plan to include us in the family, and that through faith, we have been called, justified, and glorified in Jesus Christ. So today, we continue to go about these weird times, and we continue to go through this pandemic and isolation and periods of uncertainty But I want to remind you that during these times, we continue to be God's elect, God's chosen people to be part of God's family. We continue to be called to repentance and justification in Jesus Christ. And we continue to enjoy the promises of God's glory and eternal life as were shown to us in the resurrection of Jesus. We are not victims of our situations, but rather we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because we know deep down that all things will work together for good because we love God and we are called according to his purposes. We love God and we are called by him to continue to be his people, to continue to be his children and to continue to bear witness to these truths that we have come to believe. Paul has done an incredible job in laying out for us this plan of God and how the Spirit and the Son continue to be for us before the Father. I pray that you know that this is true in your life as well as mine, that God is there in your moments of weakness to give you strength, and to help you make it through it. I pray you and your family continue to remain healthy. Today, before I close, I would like to close in prayer. Let us bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ to intercede on our behalf. You know that we have all experienced moments of weakness during this time moments of illness or depression or sadness or isolation in which we have needed the visitation of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that visitation. We thank you that you have been there with us even when we have not realized it, even when we have not noticed it, you have been present, Lord, to sustain us and to give us strength for the next day. We ask, O Lord, that you will continue, O Lord, to remind us that when we don't know how to pray, we can go to the Holy Spirit and it'll help us pray. Help us, O Lord, simply to be humble before you, to continue to live as your children, part of your family, and help us, O Lord, simply to tell others that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that if they accept him, they too can enjoy all these blessings. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I hope you have a wonderful week. We remind you that we will continue to be online in the following weeks. God bless you and have a great day.